Take your Bible, be turning to the book of Acts, chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12 this morning. We appreciate again all that the Lord's up to and all the ways the Lord is working. We give God glory. We appreciate uh, His intervening hand. Stand with me if you will. I'd like to look, if you will, with me. I want to read the first four verses of the book of Acts, chapter number 12. Acts 12, verse number 1. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Verse 2 says, And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Verse 4, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Let's seek the Lord together this morning. I want to look at the thought when two worlds collide. Let's pray. Father, help us, I'm asking, for divine intervention. And Lord, I pray that you would intervene, Lord, in this service. We pray for the touch of God, the strength of God, the wisdom of God, and the power of God in this day. And Lord, in this hour. And Lord, would you give us what we need for the days ahead. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. And you may be seated. Some of you will remember back, and I'm not sure if it was, I'm not sure if I may have my, have my stories mixed, but it uh, seems like the book, the late, plague, the late Great Planet Earth, it came out in the early 80s. Is that, you remember that? And maybe late 70s, early 80s? 79. And uh, I think, didn't it deal with the alignment of the planets? Is that, is that what that deal with? Okay. And that's, so the idea behind, and whether it was that or not, the idea was that all the planets were going to line up in this mysterious line and the gravitational pull of all those planets is going to throw this whole thing out of whack. And I mean, it was, and so uh, people were predicting unbelievable stuff and unbelievable destruction there were going to be tidal waves, and there were going to be all this stuff will fall the earth because all the planets are going to be all lined up at one side, and it was going to throw the universe off. Well, that day came and went, and the worlds didn't collide, and the planets didn't run into one another, and uh, everything, you know, still rotates as it did because God said for it to do that, and so it's still doing what it was told until God tells it to do otherwise. So the planets did not collide. But I want you to look with me here in the book of Acts as two worlds collide. Do you understand that we have two, you and I live in two worlds. There is the secular world that you and I live in, that the Lord told us that we were in that world, we're in that world, but we are not of that world. Okay, so there's that secular world, but then there's that spiritual world. And somebody said, well, that's just a figment of your imagination. Well, I want you to understand that uh, I have seen spiritual wickedness in high places on a new level, and it's real. And if you don't believe there's a real devil, son, you need to follow me for about a week. 
There's a real devil and there's a real battle and this thing is getting real. And uh, we're going to we're have to hover close under his wings uh, to, to be protected in the days ahead because uh, the bottom line is the two worlds started colliding in the book of Acts. They're still colliding. And we're going to see many of the things I believe that the church, the early church saw. I believe the latter church will see some of the same things. Believe that. But I want you to understand in the book of Acts also, we saw the Spirit of God pour out His power in great mercy and in great might. I want you to look with me what the Bible says now about that time when Herod the king stretched forth his hand uh, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. If you go back and, and, and see uh, about that time, about what time? About what time was that? Well, uh, it was about the time that God had opened up the Gentile world. It was about the time that uh, Antioch had taken off and God was doing great things and the missions uh, were coming. I mean, God was really doing some things in missions. So chapter number 11, there was a, there was a, it was a time of divine blessing. But if you'll look in the latter part, the Bible says it was at that time, now about that time of divine blessing, that they people began to experience the time of demonic blasting. The Bible says here, the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And so I want you to understand in these four verses that, I, that I've read to you that we begin to see a selective persecution by the state. State persecution against the early church. And first of all, uh, it's found here, he began to vex them. There is a planned extermination by the state. The state decides, okay, these people are not following uh, political correctness, and these people are not following, beat, marching to the beat of our drum, and so we're going to eliminate them. We're going to exterminate them, and that's what it means by vexing certain of the church. And so this planned extermination by the state, but look with me in verse number two, at the public ex execution by the sword. The Bible says, and he killed James, the brother of John. Now, this is that famous trio, Peter, James, and John. So this was the inner circle of the Lord Jesus. And he, I guess he was beheaded because he said he was killed by the sword. And I guess that was merciful, that it was pretty quick. He wasn't crucified like Christ was or like Peter would be, but he was killed by the sword. And so there was the public execution by the sword. So did they mean business? Was this serious? Oh, yeah, life or death. Here's the problem. This planned extermination and this public execution thrilled the Jews. So suddenly, Rome, the state, and the Jews are on the same side. Imagine that. They've never agreed on, with Herod on anything. But suddenly, they're all excited. And he's doing their dirty work for them. And so suddenly there's this uncommon uh, communion between these, these normal, normal enemies. I want you to understand when it comes to hatred of the things of God, uh, people will uh, lay down their doctrinal differences just to persecute the things of God. This week, this week, 
I've seen born-again believers that claim to be born again thrilled that another brother was persecuted and said, goody, goody. And they, and, and they were in church together three weeks ago. And today they're saying, goody, goody. I want you to understand, there's something wrong with that. That's scary. You know, my fear is, you know, even, even for somebody, even my enemies, when, when you, with somebody that I would call an enemy, forgiveness is when you give up the right to get even. And so when somebody says goody, goody, because something bad happens to someone else, that tells me that they have a root of bitterness within them. Because if you say goody, goody, when somebody gets what's coming to them, quote, unquote, then that means your heart's not in the right place. My friend, I don't glory in anybody's children going bad. I don't glory in anybody uh, getting in trouble and their families coming apart. I've seen it happen, and I knew it was going to happen. But I didn't glory in it, and I didn't say, see there, I told you so. Listen, by the grace of God, there go I. I, I, I fear God too much for that mess. I do. I fear God for that. And uh, I found out the ones that I've publicly said, God's going to kill them. They're not gonna, God's not going to put up with that. God's going to kill them. They're doing good. They don't die of old age, looks like. The ones I put the curse on, they're doing fine. Huh? But then there's been a few that I didn't say anything about, and God took vengeance on them, looks like. But I'll say it this way. I still don't glory in that. It's terrible that God has to discipline his young'uns. But there is political expediency. And it was scandalous in that he was using it for political gain. He decided that he would persecute the church for political gain. In other words, he had an agenda. And what he was doing was spot work. And he was doing it to put a Jewish feather in his cap, if, if I can say it that way. And because he saw that they liked it, the Bible says, and because he, he saw it pleased the Jews, verse number three, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him to put him in prison and deliver him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, let me tell you how that worked. A quaternion is four guys. So there were four quaternions. The, the, the watch of night, the, the night watch was three hours long. And so they changed the watch in the jail every three hours. Every three hours they would change the watch out. Four fresh guys would come on. And so there were 16 guys all together. Part of them were secondary uh, getting, you know, they were, they were guarding there. They were in there. But the, in other words, staying up with the prisoners, uh, there were, they were 16 guys, four on each watch uh, of three hours, which would give you a 12-hour watch from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. till the sun came up. So that's, he's being guarded by 16 men. Can you imagine that? He is a notorious criminal, isn't he? He's out walking the street preaching the gospel and the next day he's in jail and going to be killed apparently the next morning, going to be executed. And so we see the uh, selective persecution by the state. But look further with me. 
I want you to see in the next verses the special preservation of the servant. The Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison. They locked him up. We see no evidence of a trial. The king didn't have to. He could just take your head off. He had the power of the sword. And so we see the prison of Herod. But we also see in the latter part a prayer for help. The Bible said, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Well, that's, that's, that's encouraging. In other words, the people, they didn't, they, they didn't just have a prayer meeting and go to the house. They were having an all-night prayer meeting. People were coming, people were going, but they were praying. Somebody was calling on God on behalf of Simon Peter all day and all night, all day and all night. From the time they locked him up, somebody was a calling on God. Can I tell you the most powerful thing you can do is call on God? Most powerful thing? Somebody said, well, it, will, it, will, it, will, it, will it change things? Well, it, it seemed to have a, the scripture seems to point out right here that uh, it was an important part of what God was fixing to do. It was an important part. So there was the prison of Herod, but there's the prayer for help. But look what took place in verse number six. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night, Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. Now, here's the, here's the interesting part about him sleeping. He wasn't just catnapping. He wasn't. So how do you know he wasn't catnapping? Look in verse 7. Number one, the angel turned the light on. And apparently it was a heavenly light. The Bible says a light shined in the prison. Flipped the light on, got a heavenly light, and that didn't wake him. Then the Bible says he smote him on the side. He smote him. He kicked him or, 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 or poked him. Peter, get up. And then the Bible says he was down to sleep that he raised him up. So it looks like he got laid hands on him and helped him get up. He was so sleepy. Somebody said, well, preacher, why, why we, what, what's the big deal about him being asleep? This is the night of his execution. The, he, this is his, in other words, he's going to have eternal rest here just in a few minutes. But he is sound asleep. What is that? What, what, what's going on? Well, the purpose of Herod was that he would bring him forth, but the peace of heaven was that he was sound asleep. And can I say, let me call it the peace of holiness. Hey, he was ready to go. I mean, he, if, that, if that was God's will, he's ready. But he knew it wasn't God's will. How do you know that, preacher? He had God's word on it. When you get the word of God on something, you, you can sleep on that when you got God's word on it. Let me take you back to a seaside visit, John 21. The disciples said they're going to go fishing. And Peter, Peter got it up. And everybody said, uh, we'll go with you. And they hadn't talk, caught a thing all night. They're up there on the Sea of Galilee, and the Lord Jesus is on the shore. And he's got fish cooking. So he had caught something. He is fishing in his resurrected body. And so they, the famous discord, uh, Simon, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And that, that's th three times the question was asked, do you love me? 
Do you love me? Do you love me? And then the Lord Jesus in your red letter Bible says something to Simon Peter. He says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girded thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. That was talking about now and times previous. He said, But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. And so that there's no question about what he was talking about, verse number 19 clarifies and says, This spake he, the Lord Jesus, signifying by what death Simon Peter should glorify God. And of course, tradition says that he was crucified upside down. But understand, he was an old man when that took place. Can I say it this way? When God tells you you're going to get old, you're going to get old. Amen. You, ain't gotta, you can sleep on it, amen? You can rest on it. He didn't know exactly how it was going to come about. But he knew it was going to come about because God done told him he's going to be an old man. You wonder why Peter was so brass and why he was so bold? Because he is bulletproof, hallelujah. He was. I mean, they, they beat the fire out of him a couple of times. But he wasn't going to die for those wounds. And he knew it. He's going to live to be old. He would die for the gospel. And he knew that. But not now. Not now and not here. He was bound between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keeper before the door kept the prison. So that gives you an idea. Two of them's locked with him, 14 more holding on. I've got the thing shut down, keeping the door of the prison. And this is what's taking place. And so there is uh, the prison of Herod. There's the prayer for help. There's the peace of holiness. And then there's the pardon from heaven. The Bible says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, Light shined in the prison. He smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Look in verse number 8. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not it was true, which was by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He said, I'm, I'm a dreaming. I'm dreaming. Because the Bible says that his chains fell off his hands. Just fell off. And so he followed him out. And said that when they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. It just swung open. And the scripture says, And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And the Bible says, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. I want you to understand that these automatic doors that open and close, uh, whoever thinks they invented that, they didn't. Okay, that's been around over 2,000 years, all right? You just got to have the right people with you. And uh, that, that thing opened up for that angel, just opened up of its own accord. It just opened up. And the uh, Bible says when Peter was come to himself, I like that, that Peter was come to himself. He, 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 was, he thought he was dreaming. It was too good to be true. Can I say it that way? It was too good to be true. And yet it was true. Ain't that often the way that th the way things do happen? 
Ain't that the way God does things? So there's the selective persecution by the state. But then there's the special preservation of the servant. But then can I say, there's also the sweet prayers of the saints. Now, it's kind of funny. These people are down praying, probably fasting, and then they calling on God. It's late at night. What are they doing? They're calling on God. They're not sleeping. They're calling on God. Simon Peter's been asleep, but they're in there calling on God. And the Bible said when he considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Remember John Mark? That was going to later go on the, go on the first voyage. This, that's his mama's place. Must have had a big house because they churches meeting there. What's funny is Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and, and the damsel came to the came to hearken named Rhoda. It's funny why the Lord named her. Why would he mention her name Rhoda? I don't know why he called her name. A lot of people didn't did get a mention. She got a mention. So this disciple, Simon Peter, he shows up at, at, the, at church where the church is meeting at. And when she heard Peter's voice, she didn't open the gate. Instead, she ran back in, said, Peter's at the gate. And they said unto her, thou art mad. What are we praying for? Peter to get out of jail. He's at the gate. You're crazy. What are we praying for? Peter to get out of jail. He's out of jail. You've lost your mind. I mean, you, how can, you can't read it no other way, folks. I mean, that's exactly. Isn't it something when God answers our prayer we, and we don't even believe that God's answered our prayer? We're scared to say anything because it may not be so. We're scared because it may not be true. How many times has God done that? We're not even willing to acknowledge what God's done because it's too good to be true. Well, can I say that's the way he does things. Hallelujah. Too good to be true. But I I believe the reason that old Rhoda got her name in the Bible because she argued with him. She said, I know what I heard. He's at the door. They said, no, he ain't at the door. He's at the door. And she constantly affirmed even that it was so. And they said, it's his angel. He's already been killed. And his angel's here. Sure as the world. They've chopped his head off in the night and his angel's at the door. Got to explain it. It's miraculous. You got to explain it somehow, right? Trying to figure out how to explain it. So we've got the disciple at the gate at the church. We've got... uh, the doubting church, the disciples at the gate, the church is, uh, is in doubt. But then, hallelujah, there's the delight in the church. Look in verse number 16. Peter continued knocking. Him and Rhoda's the only two that's really got into this thing. And I'm thinking, he's thinking, you know, they're going to be getting up pretty quick. I really don't need to be out here in the street. When they get up, it ain't going to be good. Look, guys, well, please let me in. Oh, God, release Peter. Oh, God, let Peter out of jail. Hey, guys, I'm out here. Hey, guys, I'm out here. Let me out. Let me out. Let let me in. I'm out. Oh, God, let him out. He's saying, oh, God, let me in. (laughs) And when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. Wow. 
But he beckoned to them to hold their peace and declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. I'd have got out of Dodge too. He, 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 he slipped out. And the rest of what takes place is just kind of addendums to what, what goes on. But I tell, you how, I tell you how God works in this thing. These quaternion of soldiers, if you had a prisoner escape back in the day, it meant that you had been asleep. And it was against the law to go to sleep at your post and you could be executed. Romans would execute you for going to sleep at your post. So just as there was uh, a sweet prayer of the saints, there was sudden, sudden panic of the soldiers. As soon as it was day, the Bible says there was no small stir. I like that phrase. No small stir among the soldier of what was become of Peter. That sounds like my grandma talking. I don't know what's become of him. What's become of Peter? And so it tells us about the prison keepers. Then it tells us about this prideful king. I'm not even going to take time to read it. But the Bible says that he commanded that they put, put him to death. These 16 jailers, they were just doing their job. But they were commanded to be put to death. As far as I know, they died. You know the difference? We're going to find a Philippian jailer. And same thing. Paul is in prison. Earthquake. He's released. This, this Roman jailer is to the point that he's going to take his own life because he knows that they're going to kill him if he don't because they're gone. And Paul said, don't do that. And he said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that man was spared the executioner. The Philippian jailer become, as far as we know, one of the first converts or the first convert. There was, it was Lydia and then the Philippian jailer. Uh, that were the first converts on the European soil. But it wasn't so with these. And I don't know, I don't know what the difference was. I really don't. I don't know what the difference was, why God did not spare them, but he didn't. But the Bible says that he killed those jailers, and then he went down to Caesarea. And so Herod is a prideful, prideful man. And he's got a, this is something totally separate. But this is how things work. This is how things work. The old saying, what goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. Well, I need you to understand, yes, there's a judgment coming, but I want you to understand there's some reaping down on this side. You're going to do some reaping down here. And the thing about reaping is you don't reap when you sow. You always reap after you sow. And the other part of that is you always reap more than you sow. If you just got your seed back, what's the point of reap? What's the point of sowing? You always get more than you sow, or you should. I've heard people say, well, it didn't hardly make my seed back. But you should always get more than you sowed. Well, this is what's going to take place. There's a, there's a uh, so I'd call this the punishment of the sinners. There's an issue going on between Tyre and Sidon. Herod's mad about it. So he goes down to Caesarea. And I've, I've been right where he was. And there he, uh, he, he's going to give a speech. And so they're trying to make peace. And so he's going to give a big speech. So he is, 
I, I, I said this, he, he's, he's full of prideful anger. And then he puts on prideful apparel in verse number 12. The Bible says arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and made an oration to them. But I want you to understand verse 22, there is a prideful address. The Bible says, and the people gave a shout, saying, it is the voice of a God, little g, and not of man. And I think Herod grinned and nodded his head. Yep, because that's what he thought he was. You see, he had the power of life and death. He had the power of the sword. He had already killed James. He's fixing to kill Simon Peter if he hadn't have run off. He thought he was a God. He thought he was bigger than God. So he had a prideful address and he had a prideful attitude. I do want you to read verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. I read that to be literal. Right then and right there. Probably the most horrible sight you ever saw. It was right there. I mean, I'm talking about royal apparel sitting on a royal throne in Caesarea. And he was stricken and eaten of worms while they watched because he gave not God the glory. And so, can I say it this way? Herod was gone and his body was mutilated. But look what the Bible says in verse number 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. So Herod was gone and mutilated, but the word grew and multiplied because of the judgment hand of God on that sinner and the way he had treated God's people. I was on the phone this week with Dr. David Gibbs. As a matter of fact, I've spent a lot of time with Dr. Gibbs this week. I appreciate him very much. Uh, it was funny, we were going down the road and I was talking to him and Levi, when we got off, he said, Preacher, he sounds just like he does on the radio. He said, he talks to you just like he preaches. He talks to you just, he said, it's neat to, to actually get to talk to him, you know, and all. And, and so, you know, I've got his cell number. And so, you know, I call him and we talked, you know, he, he's led us through all of this mess we've been through. And while we were talking, I said, uh, Dr. Gibbs, do you remember Walter Burrow? He said, oh, brother, do I remember Walter Burrow? He said, oh, brother. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you about Walter Burrow, okay? Years ago, and this is soon be 40 years ago, so it's late in the 30s, or upper 30s, Mac Ford, Mac Ford had raised up children's homes across the South, uh, kind of behind what Lester Roloff had done. Lester Roloff died, I think, in the early 80s from a plane crash. And, 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 of course, all that went on there. And, and David Gibbs, uh, he defended him. But Mac Ford started Children's Home, and he started one in Walterboro, South Carolina. And it was a boys' home there at a church. And they had dormitories, and they had a boys' program. And now this is almost 40 years ago. This is when, 40 years ago, they're still paddling kids in high school. Okay, it's 40 years ago. So the... The dorm guy, the dorm manager, the adult that was keeping the dorm, 
they were doing some plumbing of some kind, and he found him a piece of white PVC pipe about three foot long. And it was a probably a three-quarter inch piece of PVC. And he'd come through, there'd be lights out or whatever, and he'd come through, and if that's out of the bunk, he'd pop them with that thing. Get back in your bunk. And if you know what a, a, a piece of PVC pipe is, it makes more noise than it makes pain. It's just, you know, it, there's, there's, I mean, it's a piece of PVC pipe, for crying out loud. Okay? It's not even a stick. It has no weight to it. Okay? It would probably be one of the, one of the least damaging things that you, could, that you could pop somebody with. If you think you hit them with the same thing with a stick, if you hit them with a, anything else, you know, even a paddle, uh, that's going to have some consequence. But he would take that pipe and he'd pop them. Or he'd pop on the side of the bed. I told y'all to be quiet. Pow! And he'd hit that bed and they'd all, they'd all straighten up. One of the boys run off. He was there because his parents sent him there because he was in trouble. One of the boys run off. And when the cops found him, they was taking him, taking him back. He said, please don't take me back. And they said, why? He said, because he beats us with a pipe. Well, those boys is all-time roughhousing. So this boy had bruises on him where they had been playing basketball and they'd been wrestling and all this other, I think they'd been playing football. He is bruised. Most teenage boys are bruised, okay? If they're playing any kind of sport without pads, they're bruised. Well, I said, are you bruised anywhere? And he said, yeah. And he showed places that were not consistent with a, being hit with a pipe. He was never hit with a pipe hard enough to other than make a loud noise is all it was. But in court, you would have thought that they had a big piece of steel pipe and they were being beat about the head and shoulders is the way they presented it. A group from here went down. We were in court all day long. Hot summer day in Walterboro, South Carolina. The courtroom was upstairs. Remember it well. Dr. Gibbs was a young man then. And he was, he was, he was fretting it, boy. It wasn't going well. And he was, he, was, he was working as hard as he could, but it wasn't going well. And the head of child services of South Carolina was this woman, smoked them big, long, Virginia Slim cigarettes, chain smoker, because she'd go out on the landing on the fire escape and smoke. And she's out there about 15 minutes. And of course, I'm watching her very carefully. And every time she'd go out, the prosecutor from the state would go out on the deck with her. And I'd watch that. So here's the child services and the, the prosecutor. And they go out on the deck. So I don't know if he smoked or not, but they go out on the deck to, to, for smoke break. They'd come back in. And I watched them when they'd come back in. I watched how close they stood to each other. I watched how they looked at each other. I watched their body language. And I said, you know what? <clears throat> Something ain't right right there. Can't put my finger on it. But there's more to this than, than, than appears. They seem to have more than a professional relationship. But their names is different, and I knew they weren't related. Anyway, the home closed. Fella didn't go to jail, but he was never allowed to have a children's home again. But let me tell you what happened. The woman... Her husband was a professor at one of the colleges in a different part of the state of South Carolina. He would drive out on Sunday night 
and teach in that university through the week, and he'd drive back Friday evening. He was home two days, and he'd drive back. So he, was, he lived out of town. He lived on campus, but he was a professor in the upstate. One day he comes home on Thursday, unannounced. He walks in, and he finds the head of child services in the bedroom with the prosecuting attorney. He fires one round at one, one round at the other, and turned the third on himself. And they all three died at that moment. I don't glory that that happened. Chances are they're in hell today. But I want you to understand, God don't like you messing with his young'uns. And there's a difference between doing your job than doing it with a vengeance and doing it with a hateful. People just do their job. I, I mean, I, I've tried to be courteous to everybody I could because they're just doing their job. They're just doing their job. They're just doing their job. I thanked them for doing their job because many times it's a thankless job. But I want you to understand that it's a dangerous thing to mess with the people of God. And that's not a threat. Amen. I'm just going to tell you. There's not a father in here that if somebody was messing with your children, there's no restraint. Amen. Depending on the crime, there's no restraint. There would be no restraining you. If somebody's messing with your children, there's, there would be no restraining you. Well, I want you to understand God's patient, God's long suffering. And he's merciful. Proven by the Philippian jailer. Beat the far out of him. And he got saved the same night. That was worth a good whooping, wasn't it? To see that man saved, and I know it was. God is merciful. But boy, you better not ever trample the mercy of God underfoot. Because if you do, you'll face the vengeance of God. And then no man alive ever wants to face the vengeance of God. Because while his meal grinds slow, his meal grinds sure. And payday ain't always on Friday. And harvest ain't the same day that you sow it. I don't know what's ahead for the church of the living God. I know what the early church faced and what they went through. But did you know, it says here in the latter part of the verse, verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. In other words, <laughs> persecution multiplied the church. Don't hardly make sense, does it? But persecution multiplied the church. I liken it unto trying to stomp out a broom sage fire in a pasture. The more you stomp it, the more it'll spread. The more you beat it, the more it'll spread. I've tried it. I, it. It just squirts in every direction. Every time you stomp, it'll squirt every direction. You talk about burning. Uh, that, just, that just doesn't work, uh, doing it the way we used to do it, try to do it. So it was the persecution against the church. The more they tried to stomp it, the more it spread, and the more effective the New Testament church became. Hard to understand how persecution would draw people to the church, but it did. 
on every single occasion, it drew people to the church. My prayer is that some people are going to come out of the woodwork. There's some people that have been riding the fence. They're going to say, no more. No more. You see, it's hard to have one foot in one world and the other foot in, this, in, the, in, the, in the things of God. Real hard to balance that act. You say, well, preacher, I'm in the world. Yeah, but you're not of the world. We're not of the world's music. We're not of the world's philosophy. We're not of the world's values or lack of values thereof. It's not our stuff, okay? I mean, the world is going to hell, seemingly on a, on a, on a, a, a absolute warp speed, they're going to hell. And I'm doing everything I can to try to hang on, try to have a few jump off before this thing plunges over the premises, because it's going to. May God help us that when we hear of persecution of believers, that it doesn't cause us to go inside of our houses and inside of our shells and, and seek cover. Just the opposite. It causes us to stand up and to be counted and to say, no, 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 no. God's not pleased with that. And we're not going to put up with that. And that we're going to pray and we'll do all we can to keep all the liberties that we can for as long as we can, while we can. Let's bow our heads together.